this is a term I use to describe that thing we all do when we want to avoid the spotlight on our souls. We want to sidestep that central issue, change the focus, run away from the mirror. So you know when you're having this moment where you're reading something or you're hearing someone talk and it begins to expose our true nature, our true needs, our deepest condition. But because we would rather not deal with it, we suddenly become theologians with a substantial ax to grind. It's really the best way to miss the point, right? But the point is, according to Jesus anyway, is love God, love others. But so many things remind us of our massive failure in this area that it's so much easier then to just become theologians. So think of it this way. You're having an issue, and like all issues we have is with someone else, right? There's where the majority of our issues come from in this world, with someone else. And instead of that as an opportunity to say, what can I learn from this situation? What can I learn about me in this moment? Instead of it as an opportunity to be okay, we're being invited into what God's doing in the world. So what God's doing in the world is loving others, forgiving others, showing mercy, grace, understanding, inviting them into what this whole thing is that God is doing. And instead of any of that, nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to come up with our reasons why that person's wrong. We're going to theological politic. We're going to do all these different things instead of be open to what God is trying to do for us and in us in any given situation. <clears throat> and this is where divisions in church come from through doctrines and denominational differences, political differences. Everything stems from this whole idea of what Jesus said it so clearly. Why don't you worry about that log in your eye Hey, Roger, what's going on, kid? Coming up with us? Yeah. All right, great. Why don't you worry about that log in your eye instead of Much easier to worry about that speck, isn't it? So at this point in our story, this is what the woman at the well was doing. So for those of you that haven't been here, we've been in the woman at the well. This is, I think, our seventh or eighth week in it. So some of the stuff I, I, I don't go back over, so I apologize for that. So if something seems to be missing in what I say today, we've probably covered it, or we probably will cover it, because we're in this for a long time. So last time we were here, we saw Jesus exposed her innermost life, right? But remember, we talked about this, and I found it fascinating, Marie, that you used the word shame, because that's something I don't believe has any place in Christianity, in God, in the Bible. It just doesn't exist it's something that we do to each other. And so this moment that Jesus exposed this woman's innermost life had nothing to do with shaming her or judging her. This was for the purpose of inviting her to a whole new way of life. But this caused her to suddenly become a determined theologian debating one of the major issues within the Jewish-Samaritan divide. She has no interest right now in exploring her own internal divisions, 
She has no desire to discuss her own massive failures, and she has no interest in looking in the mirror and coming to terms with her condition, so instead she goes right to Mount Gerizim is better than Mount Zion. Theological politicking, it's classic. But I wanna be sure, I wanna make this side note because this is important. Just as Jesus didn't shame this woman and judge her, I'm not heaping any shame on this woman and judging her for making this move. This is a classic move that all of us do. You see, remember way back in the beginning, I talked about the, one of the overriding arcs, narrative arcs in this story, is Jesus is breaking down her identities. Jesus is saying to her, all of these identities that you are holding on to, whether they're good identities or bad identities, it's not you. And none of that is freedom. All of those things are that in slavery that Paul was talking about in Rome. So whether we have good identities or bad identities, right? So this overarching arc that is going on here is Jesus is saying to the woman, no, no, those aren't identities. That is not who you are. That is not who you are. But here's the problem. Identities don't go away on their own. And they don't go away easily. These are big things. What happens with identities, we think when we're losing an identity, we're losing everything. So we're afraid of this moment. We're afraid of this. And this is why we fight against it and fight against it and fight against it. So Marie used terms like, you know, I know, you know, I know Jesus finished everything on the cross, but I, I just, I'm not living into that. That's what's going on. How many Christians have been Christians forever and have no idea what freedom looks like and what peace looks like and what joy looks like and what love looks like, right? Because what's happening is it's our identities that are being threatened. And we will hold on to our identities, whether they're good or whether they're bad, because it's who we think we are, right? We fight to save them. And only as we let go of identities, we start to become freer to move into this beautiful action that God's doing in the world. But when we hold on to our identities, it's really hard to slide into those, that place that God is inviting us to be, right? So, for example, I, I was with one of my brother-in-laws recently. I hadn't seen him in probably six months or so. And he asked me, hey, how's your soccer team doing this year? And I said, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're not. And, you know, we won the back-to-back -back state championships. And he paused me. He goes, yeah, every time we're together, you remind me of that. And I was like, oh, awesome. It was just perfect thing for him to say to me. Because I said, I thought to myself, and I'm in the midst of all this, you guys have been hearing this for weeks now, what I've been talking about with this story, and I said, oh, of course, because that's an identity I've so latched onto. But here's the thing, we're not gonna win a tournament this year. So now all of a sudden, oh my gosh, is, does that mean I'm horrible? Does that mean I'm this terrible person and terrible coach? And this and on, you see what I mean, what identities can do? I was listening to a celebrity recently talking about making the cover of Time Magazine and how it, it, he it didn't know that he had been picked for the cover. He knew he had done a story that he was gonna be in that week, walked into a store to get something else, and bam, there's his face on time. And you know, if you're brought up, you know, you're my age, you know, you were just hitting that peak, you know, 20s when you, time was it. You know, before social media, Time Magazine. You, you made Time Magazine, you were it, and he's part of that generation, right? And it just made him feel, and then all of a sudden, less than seven days later, he's in the store, and, Someone else on Time Magazine, you know. See, identities, even good ones, 
When we make it that, that's who we are, oh, that's where the danger zone. This is why we fight back. This is why we theological politic. You gotta let go of these identities. We have to. I was 18 years old and I got voted best hair in high school. <laughs> Good thing I let go of that identity. <laughs> or I would be like the poster person for Rogaine and, and every other thing that tries to make hair grow. No, I have it, I have hair. Look, look, I have hair. Oh my gosh, identities. But here's the gospel of Jesus is precisely so radical because it's not based in fear. And anything that we do out of fear has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry that religion, both our religion and other religions, have turned fear into the major point. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry with the world in which politics has always been about fear. You know? And everyone gets all worked up about you know, American politics. It's been going on forever. right? The peace of the Roman Empire was purely fear-based. They would just move into a country and say, it's this simple. Follow us, you'll have peace. If you don't, we'll kill you. Oh, okay. That's brilliant. We've been doing this forever. This is what we do. Right? And we all have this fear. This is why we hate others. And listen, I'm not talking to one side of the aisle. I'm talking to everybody. Progressives are as filled with hate as conservatives, liberals, as, as these people, fundamentalists, you name it. Everyone's just filled with hate. Because it's fear. It's fear. We're all great at creating enemies, right? So we theological politic. And what happens is when we... When, when this is happening, when that fear gets so deep inside of us, we can't hear what Jesus is really after, what he's really inviting us to. Remember right before this, what had she said? Sir, give me this water. She wants it. We're all here right now this morning sitting in a Christian church. I don't know why you chose to come, but I can guarantee somewhere deep, deep, 